presented by Google. Good morning. I'm your host, Playbook Deputy Editor Zach Stanton. It's September 15th, and thank God it's Friday, because this has been a news-soaked last 24 hours. Yesterday, Hunter Biden was indicted on gun charges stemming from allegations that he lied about his use of illegal drugs on paperwork he filled out a few years ago when purchasing a handgun. Now, that isn't altogether surprising, and frankly, the political implications uh, of that whole episode are pretty much already baked into our present moment. But what may be surprising to you is that Hunter Biden's attorneys have signaled that they may mount a challenge on Second Amendment grounds. And in that, they have the support of some gun rights activists who are loath to offer any cover for the Bidens, but also oppose the use of such questions to block gun purchases. Keep an eye out on that one, which is sure to develop in interesting and unexpected ways in the days to come. Meanwhile, the big picture in Washington at the moment is that the Capitol is in crisis. That much is clear. Uh, what is unclear is how it gets out of that crisis as the government barrels towards a shutdown in just over two weeks' time, as House Republicans threaten to impeach President Biden, as the impeachment of President Biden acts as something of a pressure release valve for Speaker Kevin McCarthy as he struggles to rein in conservatives who might otherwise oppose a government spending deal, and as Senator Tommy Tuberville has a one-man blockade on military promotions with no end in sight. Our own Burgess Everett and Sarah Ferris have a must-read piece up on that whole brouhaha this morning with a full readout of the reality on the Hill. They write that each of the Hill's messes will reach a peak this fall, starting with the September 30th shutdown deadline. Each on its own is a headache, and the collection of problems lawmakers have to juggle at once is almost unthinkable. You can check that out at politico.com. Overnight, as the clock chimed midnight, the UAW embarked on a massive strike against General Motors, Ford, and Stellantis. So joining me to chat about the demands and details of this UAW strike is White House reporter for Politico's e, &E News, Scott Waldman. Good morning, Scott. Good morning. Thanks for having me. My pleasure. So give us the big picture here. You know, what is the lay of the land at this point in time? So in Michigan, there's great concern among Democrats that the strike could last for a while. I mean, I, I should say, too, that there's also excitement. Democrats have a long history of being strongly in favor of the UAW, and that's certainly not diminished, even though the UAW may have been diminished as a political force in the state in the last few decades as its membership shrunk. They're still a, a, you know, a central part of state politics there. So I think there's enthusiasm for workers and backing workers within the party but there's also, a little more quietly at this point, a sense of doom where if this thing drags on for too long or if the union doesn't do as well as, as it wants to in the negotiations, you know, there, there could be some sort of blowback on the party. So let's talk about that a little bit. You know, one of the interesting things about this strike in particular is that it seems like there's the potential there to sort of scramble some of the traditional allegiances. And that is particularly true when it comes to issues like electric vehicles, which the UAW has been somewhat critical of, and yet which the transition to remains sort of a central component of uh, Joe Biden's economic policies. So what are the sort of dividing lines there? 
That's a good question. I think in terms of the pre-existing pressures with electric vehicles, typically the salaries are about half as what they are for the UAW making traditional internal combustion engines. A lot of electrical vehicle components for like Ford, a lot of the, there's sort of an offshoot businesses where they're partnering maybe with a battery company to make electric vehicles. And those wages are just about half of what they are for the UAW. And, and these folks are not unionized that are working on these new vehicles that Biden is, of course, trying to get about two thirds of our cars in the next decade to be electric vehicles. So there's a lot of concern there before this negotiation over what it means to have, you know, a fleet of electric vehicles taking Americans all around their lives in the next 10 years. I think that the UAW president, Sean Fain, has declined to endorse at this point Biden's reelection. However, he's certainly leaving the door open to it. He has explicitly said he will not endorse Trump, who he's called anti-union, and that's not even a consideration for the union here. Now, I should say, too, that in terms of what they're actually asking for on paper, it's really about salary and benefits at this point. The electric vehicle stuff is like looming over these talks in the background. But what they're really trying to work out on paper is more between the UAW asking for raises, but also the electric vehicle fight is sort of in the distance and definitely going to be a part of the union's concerns going forward. So obviously this story is of interest to me as someone who's from Michigan and you know vividly remembers the place that the big three had in not only our culture growing up in, in Metro Detroit, but who remembers a time when a company like GM was the biggest corporation in the world. But the American auto industry isn't what it once was. You know, gone are those days when GM was this global powerhouse to a degree very few companies were. So I'm wondering, why is it that this strike seems to have generated so much national attention in a way that other labor unrest over the summer has not made as much of a dent nationally? What is it about the UAW strike? Well, I, you know, that's something I've thought about a lot. And, you know, I don't know that there's any easy answer other than that there's a few different factors at play. You're talking about the big three, but this is also just a traditional classic labor fight. There's a long history of labor. It's a time when the UAW is still, still a player. They're not what it used to be. So I think it's just, they're symbolic. They represent this past in one sense, but here they are also trying to hammer out a future that makes them potentially, you know, big players again. I think uh, the UAW is also broadened into, it represents graduate students now, it represents doctors, but you're right to point that out. And then, of course, you know, hanging in the background too, of course, is Michigan. Trump won it, put it back in play for the first time in decades by just 11,000 votes. Biden came back and won it by 150,000 votes. And of course, Democrats had a, a great year in the midterm elections last year. So, you know, the state is still, though, viewed as a key swing state. Whoever wins Michigan essentially wins the White House. Couldn't agree more. Thanks so much, Scott. Thank you. And for your schedule today, the Senate and the House are out, and President Biden will receive the president's daily briefing in the morning before traveling to Delaware for the weekend. And join Politico next Tuesday, September 19th at Dock 5 for Building the New American Economy. It's a high-level conversation we're hosting that examines the progress and charts the next steps to preserve America's economic preeminence, driving innovation, and protecting middle-class jobs. The speakers will include Jared Bernstein, who's the chair of the Council of Economic Advisors, 
and Congressman Dave Schweikert of Arizona and Drew Ferguson of Georgia from the U.S. Joint Economic Committee. Our own Rachel Bade and Ryan Lizza will be moderating. Be sure to check out this morning's playbook for more information and a link to sign up. I'm Zach Stanton. Thanks for listening, and have a great weekend. Today, there are more than 650,000 unfilled cybersecurity jobs in the U.S. The Google Cybersecurity Certificate was made to fill that gap. With hands-on training, recruitment support, and access to a wide network of employers, this program provides the necessary skills to begin a career in cybersecurity. Explore how Google is keeping more Americans safe online than anyone else at safety.google forward slash cyber workforce.